1: Welcome on into The Mom Show this week. Thank you for joining us. It is the most wonderful time of the month. Every month I get to talk with my guests today, who are two guests, and we call this segment The State of U- State of Women in Utah, which is a recurring segment we do here on The Mom Show. And joining me, Emily Bell McCormick with The Policy Project and Dr. Susan Madsen of the Utah Women and Leadership Project. Do- Dr. Madsen brings in the research. Emily has ample experience and advocates for uh, women and family friends policies with utah's capitol hill so it is amazing to have you both with me as usual here on the mom show so today's topic we wanted to sort of dive into what moms can do to strengthen the impact of their daughters. Now, obviously, this can apply to sons as well. It can apply to children in general. But I want to talk about this um, in terms of daughters in particular, because I think it brings up a lot of women's issues that we're dealing with right now in our culture. And oftentimes, the mom show turns into, what's Lindsay struggling with this week as a mom? (laughs) And so here we are. Uh, I have a six-year-old daughter. She'll be seven uh, next month, and I am already worried about what messaging is she getting around the role of women, what women, quote unquote, are supposed to do and be and look like and all of that jazz. And I know feelings are shifting on this, but oftentimes I feel like I'm not doing a good enough job to convey to her the messages I want her to get. And I should say that I do have a fundamental belief that the best parenting hack that I have is to be the best example for her. And if I model the things that I want to see, particularly for women in Utah, then she'll see me doing those things and question some of the messaging that she's getting. So overarching this discussion is sort of my belief in that. Um, But let me bring you both in here as we talk about, uh, you know, how we can sort of change some of the messaging for our daughters. And let's start with uh, just this education piece, Dr. Madsen. I'll bring you in. Why is it so important for us as moms to model to young girls uh, what they can do with their education
2: this is This is such an interesting and an important topic because what we know from the research and there's tons of research on this that the parents and particularly for daughters, their mothers, really the modeling and what the mothers choose to do in terms of education, completing high school, you know of course, but but then college. Uh, What the mothers do is so impactful on the daughters. And, And years ago, when I did detailed research in the state of Utah, what we found, however, that was interesting is, of course, if the mothers went and graduated from college, then the daughters are going to. But there were a couple of other situations. If the mothers did not do that, they could still be important voices and their daughters would follow. And those two situations were this, one, if the mothers went back even a class at a time, if the daughter saw the mother going back to to school in some way, learning more, seeking for an associate's or bachelor's, then the daughter will say that's important, that's important to her. And the second reason really is if the mother talked quite a bit about the importance of education with some regrets, like, I, I wish I would have gone right out of this or that. I only got maybe a semester in, and I wish I would have done because it's so important. So they talked about it. Uh, those two additional situations really, really moved that forward. And And I'll tell you, we still struggle in the state of Utah with the education topic in terms of even more than the nation, we struggle with this in terms of our young women really feeling limited in terms of their choices mm. of majors. We still, even more than the nation, we have less young women, uh, you know, going into uh, STEM areas and even business areas. We're we're seeing a few more, um, but that's important too. That that topic is really important in what we choose to do. Um, you know, if if young women think. Well, my choice is only these few things. I can be a nurse, I can be a teacher, and believe me, we need more nurses and teachers sure. in the state. But they don't explore, like, all these topics. Maybe I would be good at, you know, as a scientist or whatever. Um, that that really has implications, too, even for future even even related to our wage gap in the state of Utah.
1: Yeah, that's really important. Emily, do you want to weigh in on that a little bit? Like as far as uh, girls, uh, no, I should say women, picking a major when they're in college, how does that impact the pay gap?
3: Yeah, I, I mean, that's... It it has a huge impact because we think of the ways that we reward society for the work they do, right? If you're going to be an investment banker, you're going to make a lot of money. Mm -hmm. If you're going to be a doctor, you're going to be really comfortable, right? Like we have those things. And it's true, you know, females do tend to choose um, professions that don't earn as much as men. And so it is one of those things. I mean, when we look at these big issues that are policy issues or cultural issues or um, systemic issues, whatever you want to call them, you, there's so many elements that feed into that. There's so many moving pieces and absolutely, um, Dr. Madsen is of course right, like absolutely that would affect um, the outcome of how much you're going to earn. Mm,
1: That's a really interesting point. So not even just that you need to get an education but what you choose as a major could impact this pay gap because if you pick a doctor that's going to bump up the salaries of women in general, right? right? Not that there should be that pressure on people. So
2: nationally in fact we're going to Release a, a study an updated study on the wage gap soon, um, but nationally the gap has has shrunk a little bit nationally, and that is about eighty cents to eighty two cents on the dollar for women versus especially white women when you look at white white men in the nation of course, women of color are are less than that. Uh, but when you look in Utah, we're really staying, we haven't made much progress in the last decade, we're staying about $0.70 cents to the dollar. Mm-hmm. So nationally, women are about $0.82, cents, in Utah, about $0.70 cents to the dollar. We haven't really moved. And so part that's such, we could have a whole show just on that, <laughs> yeah. and many shows, but – um but what's what's really important is to analyze, you know, what can we do differently in this state? And there's a, discrimination, there's many things. But one of the elements is, you know, where we work as women in the state of Utah. We're, I don't want to blame women, mm. but we need to uh, really open eyes to women on choices. And if they choose after having those options... To be an elementary school teacher, good for them. Yeah. Good for them.
1: Yeah. And if there's any argument, you know, I struggle with this personally, and I've talked about it several times on this show where, uh, you know, you see other women around you, especially in Utah, staying home, and you think, should I be home? Should I be home with my kids? I mean, not that that is a bad thing, but you struggle sort of internally with, like – Is it okay that I'm here? And if anything, this conversation is um, an example of why it's okay because women in the workforce, you know, change all these things in our society and in our culture. So Mm -hmm. I just kind of want to put that out there. Let's take a break right now. I want to dive into this on a more like family level too. How are you guys having conversations with your children? I know, Susan, your children are older now, now. but how did you have conversations, you know, with your daughters in particular about what they could be and what they could do? We'll talk about that when we come back on The Mom Show.
0: you joined The Mom Show. Being a mom can be tough sometimes. We try to make it easier. Here's Lindsay Ertz on KSL News Radio.
1: Welcome back into the Mom Show today. Thank you for joining us. I love this conversation we're having today in our State of Women in Utah series. We do this once a month with Emily Bell McCormick of the Policy Project and Dr. Susan Madsen of the Utah Women and Leadership Project. We discuss uh, things that are impacting women in Utah. And ladies, I always love having this discussion with you. Today, we're talking sort of about this concept of how you model to your daughters if you want to change the gender messages that they got about what women can do what women can be you know we're living in 2021 where it feels like it shouldn't be news anymore when women do things however Mm -hmm. (laughs) we still kind of live in a a society I think where uh, that's not always the case and so I often think about how I can change the messaging about what women can do and be for uh, my daughter and I wonder if I'm Sending the right messages. If I'm, I wonder if I can control the messaging enough in my own home to like really embolden her and um, help her go out and impact the world in the way I'd like her to. So, um, Emily, I'd just love to get your thoughts uh, initially off the bat when I talk about how do you change this message for your kids? Like, what what are your initial thoughts?
3: You know, I was actually reading this study that Dr. Madsen's um, group has put out, and it talks a lot about different ways that you can introduce new kind of ideology or ideas to your daughters um, when you're raising them in your home. And one of them was about role models, and it just talked about having how important it is to have a wide variety of role models um, that demonstrate a lot of different kinds of lives that you can live. And I thought, you know, when I heard that, I thought um, between that and then what we talked about in the first segment, which was, you know, daughters tend to follow what their mothers do. You know, they see their mother do it and they're more likely to do it that way. right? Well, and so, even
1: down to how we talk about our weight, you guys, our yes. daughters listen to that. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. Like
3: the smallest things, but also do the biggest things like yeah. your career whether or not you got married, you know, number of kids, marriage, all of those things. But as I thought about it, I thought, you know, that presents a challenge for many women because sometimes we surround, well, most of the time we surround ourselves with people who are doing similar things, right? Um, Because we need a community Mm -hmm. and we find community. in you know, when I had a lot of, when my children were very young, I wanted to go to a play group at a park or I, I really sought out a community of other women who were home and able to do those things with me. And so I think man we may want to expose our children to those role models but not feel like they're immediately available because frankly my attorney neighbor who she's at work right now right. you know she's not coming over to help me make mac and cheese or something you know right. like those are those challenges that we have but I think um one way to do that that's just a concrete thing it is it, you don't have to have those role models immediately present they can be in stories they can be in films mm. they can be in any kind they can be in words that you tell your daughters and sons, you know, and I would add that it is just as important for your sons to see those female role models as well. Um, But just that, that it doesn't have to happen in this traditional way. If it is not happening in your home, you know, if you don't have the capacity to show like, Well, gee, yes, it's, you know, becoming a doctor is great because you can really kind of choose your schedule or, you know, and I'd love to expose my children to that. You don't have to have it in your home to be able to use words to talk about it, to bring that idea into your home and say, hey, this might be a good option for you. I think that that's actually a really effective way to do it. Mm, That's so interesting. And oftentimes I uh, want to do this,
1: but I'm not sure. If I'm doing it, right, I always try to like pick out little thoughts for my daughter to assess whether or not I'm doing this well enough. Um, But I think the role model thing is so important. And like you're saying, if I'm not a doctor, I can't be a doctor, can't show her how to be a doctor, but I can talk about and point out female doctors. And I can point out, I even love when, um, you know, I was listening to a committee hearing uh, this week for a legislative committee meeting and I heard a, a doctor who is a woman Uh, talk about her and just using female pronouns in how she described doctors. And I was like, doesn't that still feel kind of revolutionary when we don't just assume doctors are men? Yeah,
2: I think so. I have a couple of thoughts I'd love to share on this one. One is I always have to make sure that people know when I'm speaking about these issues is that I really believe that we need to support all all women in the choices they make. Uh, let them see more choices, but whether it's staying home full time and doing such great work in the home and the community or what what's really interesting in the state we've talked about this before is that that either or like so when we're talking in your mind, as a listener, you might be thinking Emily's talking about someone that's working full time all the time, year-round. But there's so many—I mean, exposing our daughters and our granddaughters, I should say, to women that stay home full time and and but are engaged in the community, and maybe maybe they don't work for pay. Most of their time, but then they serve on the city council or, or maybe there's a woman that works full time, but she's engaged in church callings or maybe it's part time this and that. Maybe, I mean, just a variety so that our daughters and and young women around us, girls around us, just see, wait, there's a lot of options here for my life. Yeah, I should get a bachelor's degree. Maybe I should get an MBA. That doesn't mean that I have to choose between being gone full-time or home. You can have an MBA, work part-time, be home with your kid, whatever it looks like. I I just think those role models in church, in politics, in corporate settings, in schools, their teachers at universities. I'm trying to, what other segments am I missing? Um, um, City, working for city offices. Just a variety of things. And then again, Women working full time, women not working full time for pay, but engaged in their community. We just need, I mean, if we could unleash, seriously, if we could unleash the voices of women, no matter where they're at, no matter where their life choices, to do more good in public policy. Emily and I love public policy, right? Um, use our voices on important, important and critical issues for our families. I'll tell you. Things would change and they would change quick.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think the point that I would echo, Susan, is that um, you're saying whatever people, women's choices are in particular, we're not sitting here saying being a stay-at-home mom is bad. Like, please hear me when I say that. Mm -hmm. But obviously, I have have made a different Mm -hmm. choice in my life. And I don't go to work feeling guilty that I'm not home with my kids. My kids are cared for, right? They're safe there. I have someone who cares for them, right? And I'm very privileged to be able to do that. But if I was to choose staying home and be resentful and angry and hate my life, frankly, (laughs) uh, what kind of message would that send to my daughter? So what you're saying, Susan, is women having those choices and doing it with their full capacity and full heart and loving what they're doing is the important thing here.
2: Yeah. And knowing that there's really a mix, it's not all one or the other. But, uh, you know, what we found, though, through the research and and lots of research uh, supports this, that even if if you go to school, one class, or you engage in one group in the community and you are a stay-at-home mom, oftentimes you're more mentally healthy to reach out and do that Mm -hmm. There's just so many options. And in my life, I've kind of covered them all. Mm-hmm. I've been totally oh, no, no work for pay, and that didn't work well for me. I, I was a bit depressed mm-hmm. for a couple couple years in just having diapers and stuff. But then a mix of this, then some full-time, but work a lot at home before the pandemic, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and and sometimes at the office, you know, that whole mix. So I just I want women to not spend so much time. And I, I have done the whole guilt thing through the years. Yeah. But I, to me, that's kind of a waste of time. Mm-hmm. Let's use our good minds and our hearts and our hands for really great work with our own kids and people around us.
1: Yeah, really important. Dr. Susan Madsen with the Utah Women in Leadership Project, Emily Bell McCormick is with the Policy Project. We'll take a break more with these two wonderful women when we come back on the
0: Mom Show.
1: Welcome back into The Mom Show today. Thank you for joining us. It's our monthly State of Women in Utah series that I do It's Dr. Susan Madsen of the Utah Women and Leadership Project and Emily Bell McCormick of the Policy Project. Obviously, Emily working in public policy and Dr. Madsen in research. And Dr. Madsen, we're discussing some of your latest research that talks about how mothers can impact the lives of their daughters and specifically when it comes to like cultural messaging and resilience and education and mothers really do have a big impact on what their daughters see, and I struggle with this. I mean, this is something I brought to you guys, and I'm just like, in this week's episode of what Lindsay's struggling with as a parent, (laughs) like, here we go. How do we change some of this messaging for our daughters? Um, And one of the problems that I face, and Dr. Madsen, I'd like you to weigh in on this research we are discussing, but one of the problems I face, I'll just personalize it a little bit, is my daughter is six years old, and she's so Chatty, And I love that about her. But as a mother, you're like, oh, my gosh, stop talking. And I wonder where she gets it. Right. Because her mother talks for a living. I was talking in the womb. I was on the radio when she was in the womb. Right. So I know she's got it in her. And I don't want to silence that voice in her. And I worry that every time I tell her, like, Lucy, can we just play the quiet game for a minute, (laughs) that I'm kind of stifling that voice in her. Talk to me about what your research talks about,
2: about how mothers can empower the voices of their girls. I love that. This what we're talking about today actually comes out of a 2019 uh, report. And, Lindsay, the great thing about this report, I wanted to do them for years, and I started them a few years ago, and they're called What Can I Do? Mm. And the whole reason I started this series is because I – by then, I had had like a thousand women say, What can I do? What can I do? How can we help? And I'm like, I can't tell everybody what to do. <laughs> right. uh, let's put these reports together. So these don't come out of my mind necessarily. We actually pulled together 25 mothers of daughters of all ages, some women of color, um, you know, just different circumstances as well and they brainstormed for two full hours. Mm-hmm. And so then we pulled all of this together and really created it's a two-pager, it's kind of a one one and a half pager, so it's easy to read and people can find it on the on our website at utwomen.org. So I just want to give a little bit of that background. But, you know, confidence is one of the biggest things that I've spent a lot of time researching, reading about, is how can we as mothers and fathers, I should say, right, uh, raise. And I'm using the word raise, but raising, you know, I I always think of of the African proverb, it takes a community. Mm -hmm. So raising daughters can be neighbors, it can be church member, But for this one, we really focus on mothers. So what can mothers do to really um, help help with confidence in their daughters? And I'll tell you, oh my gosh, there's so much research on this. There are really some genetic differences shocking between boys and girls. Mm. (laughs) And uh, at puberty, so what we know about confidence is girls and boys are about the same until puberty hits. Mm. And interestingly, these days, puberty used to be 10 to 13, but it's decreased. And actually there's some research that 7 and 8-year-old girls are now go- hitting puberty. And at puberty it changes and our daughters really don't catch up unless really strong interventions mm. are, are made. Mm-hmm. And you you know what? In, the, in Utah specifically, I'm just going to say it because we know we have higher levels of body image issues and cosmetic surgery in the state. Um, that Parents often and other people go straight to, well, let's help her look better. Mm. And that will help her confidence. Mm. Guess what we know? it's that's not where not, confidence come
1: from, comes from. from <laughs> really
2: not the basis of confidence. So, interesting. so uh, one other quick. I, I may have said this before, but this is really applicable here. Yeah. Um, in terms of confidence, one of the a recent study that I read was that uh, daughters are asking their fathers for help three times more at the age of three than sons, and it 's mainly because fathers like coddle. And really try and protect their daughters, mm-hmm. and isn't that kind of interesting yeah, yeah yeah and so so you're already not taking risks at three years old as a girl mm-hmm. compared to boys mm-hmm. so there are all kinds that's just one thing that a father does, but there's all kinds of things that we can do I sorry I'm long-winded no, here. I can I can
1: <laughs> see that though in my anxious seven year old and my like crazy three year old who's a boy and my anxious seven year old who's very helpful and very like just a soldier and a listener, and the difference is very interesting. Now, there could be a lot of play there with their ages, with their, yeah. but obviously their gender plays into that too. So, and, and then these messages that they've gotten inadvertently but from you're
2: socialized, yeah, to do that. Girls more than boys get when they're quiet, when they raise their hands in elementary school, they get praise, they mm. get praise, and so they learn to seek praise and be quiet. Um, not all. But yeah, and yeah, wait, and and that's a confidence killer okay. something like that.
1: Well, Emily, talk to me about your thoughts on this because I mean, am I doing it wrong here with like my chatty Kathy daughter? Oh <laughs> gosh, I embolden I that don't voice? know about that
3: because I have a chatty Kathy daughter too and right. I'm probably doing it wrong as well. But just piggybacking on what Dr. Madsen has said, you know, this idea of, we were talking about modeling earlier and just this uh, idea, and this came out in the study that Dr. Madsen is referring to, um, that we should model the ability to be assertive, you know, and especially Especially in uncomfortable or potentially dangerous situations Mm. and when I read that you know I thought a lot about um gosh if I'm a lot of us don't like being assertive even if you're okay being assertive sometimes you might try to hide it from your kids but that when we see our child be assertive in appropriate ways um especially if it's something they're standing up for to kind of give them praise for that so to in the reverse like Okay, we're praising them for being quiet and obeying the rules, and those are good things. But we also need to praise them for if they see something that's wrong. As parents, maybe we step back, take a quick breath, and say, Is this, maybe this is an appropriate time for this child to be upset? And then praise them for, you know, I do see where you're coming from. I think that's a pretty good point, Mm. you know, kind of give them that feedback where they are feeling understood. The other thing I think that does for them is it really allows them to feel comfortable thinking for themselves and and valuing their thoughts. Because Mm. I think, you know, growing up as a female, and this might just be me, or maybe this is a common experience, but certain times I felt like if I'm going with the rest of the crowd, then I'm probably in the right group here. You know, I'm probably Mm -hmm. thinking the right way, doing the right thing. And then as I got into adulthood and kind of realized... Gosh, I see some of these things differently. It took, it does take courage to be willing to say it because you may not always get that positive feedback that we so often enjoy and like. Yeah, and
1: I'll just give you a really probably not relatable uh, real world example <laughs> yeah. of what you're talking about. At the grocery store, my seven year old often wants a sticker, and I make her ask for the sticker because she'll be shy right? and it's she'll good. yeah, and it's she'll really like a, you know, mom, can you ask for the sticker for me? And I'm like, no, you need to use your voice and ask for the sticker, and like. you need to ask for what you want. And I'm hoping that that sends the message that she needs to speak up for herself.
2: So one of the things that is so important in all of this work for mothers is that we become more conscious of things that are probably unconscious in the way that we relate to boys and girls Mm -hmm. and men and women. Mm -hmm. So one, I'll tell you one fun story. Years ago, uh, when I was living in Highland, uh, Utah, I'm I'm up in Bountiful now, but I was walking home from church with with a dear friend, and my kids were older, and her kids were really little. So she had three of her kids with her, and it had just rained, and her two of the boys, they had these little white shirts and ties, and they just go tearing towards this big puddle. And she just, like, laughed, and she's like, I'm going to have to wash their clothes, but boys will be boys. Then... Her little daughter, beautiful little dress, tears towards the puddle, and what was her reaction, do you think? She was she grabbed her. Mm. No, you know, she didn't do that to the boys, mm-hmm. but she says no. You know, girls don't do that. Because boys and are supposed to
1: be rowdy and I girls. Thought, yeah.
2: Um you know, that little thing, and her and I talked about it, and she was like, I guess that's just what I've been taught to do. I've been thinking But maybe it's not a big deal if I let her run through the puddle and get tough and get dirty as well and treat them. But already she, at three or four years old, is thinking... What's appropriate for me mm-hmm. is different than what's appropriate for my brothers on just running through a puddle. And
1: how many times do we do that at the playground where we tell our girls, be careful, be careful, be careful, don't fall. Like, are you more concerned about your girls getting hurt physically than your boys? Like, it's almost like you let your boys just run and jump and tumble and they're supposed to get
2: hurt and break bones. But your girls, you're a little
1: more cautious and careful and be
2: careful, mm-hmm. be careful, We have a new series that will be launching soon. Part of it's already out, curriculum called Understanding Gender. Mm. And it really goes through us understanding more about risk, about confidence, about even things when they're babies, like and 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 little kids, like, boys see colors different than girls, and boys draw differently than girls. Oh. And sometimes, like, boys really are drawn to boring colors <laughs> for us. Mm-hmm. Our girls, they want to draw action. And when we pull them in or pull girls into other things that are not what they want – or what they're naturally, then then we don't lift their abilities. So anyway, uh, yeah, it's going to be very interesting to, uh, I think, a lot of people to just understand both boys and girls and how maybe some of the genetics lead to things that, that uh, we can better, after we understand those, give experiences to both our boys and our girls. Yeah.
1: Check our biases. Yeah. Give your boys dolls and make your girls jump in puddles. Right? Actually, there's a lot of interesting research,
2: even for monkeys, on boys. Before they're socialized, like trucks more than girls. Yeah, and girls I heard a report like the other dolls. day so, so wheels. Socialization. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. So about wheels. Yeah, I heard something about
1: wheels with boys, and that kind of speaks to why they like trucks. And the, just funny. the question remains, is it, you know, nature or nurture, right? It's kind right. of all those questions. Uh, <laughs> just such great insights, you guys. Dr. Susan Madsen with the Utah Women in Leadership Project. Emily Bell McCormick is with the Policy Project. It's our State of Women in Utah series here on The Mom Show.
0: You've joined The Mom Show. Being a mom can be tough sometimes. We try to make it easier. Here's Lindsay Ertz on KSL News Radio. Welcome back
1: into The Mom Show today. Thank you for joining us. I love this discussion we're having, part of our State of Women in Utah series that we do monthly here on The Mom Show. So joining me, Emily Bell McCormick of The Policy Project and Dr. Susan Madsen of the Utah Women and Leadership Project. And Dr. Madsen has research uh, that uh, is kind of explaining what we're talking about today this concept of how you talk to your girls in particular. Uh, and build their confidence, especially from the mother perspective, because as we've discussed over the last segment, it's the last few segments, I should say, and I'd invite you to podcast this episode wherever you podcast, just search for the KSL Mom Show, just about how mothers play a central role in helping their daughters in particular become strong and confident, contributing women. So we talked about this from every angle, from education to their confidence. I have a chatty Kathy daughter, and I'm always worried I'm stifling her voice. So <laughs> I'm getting the, mm-hmm. your perspective on uh to make sure i'm not failing as a mother here um one of my other concerns though you guys and dr madsen i think your research touches on this is i have a daughter who is obsessed with motherhood she plays pregnancy like with our childcare. <laughs> they play pregnancy together and she always wants to be pregnant and i don't know if that's because she saw me be pregnant with her little brother which could oh, be very yeah. possible yeah but i I try to sort of like expand her thinking that motherhood isn't the only role she has. And uh, does your research touch a little bit on how – I mean that's not to say motherhood is bad and I don't want her to become a mother. But my point is just, you know, I only saw women – being mothers and loving motherhood. And this was their life's mission and life's purpose. And I really struggled when I didn't feel that way. And it really led to some, you know, depression and anxiety because I was just like, what's wrong with me that this is like so hard for me. And so I, not alone, yeah, I kind of want to change that messaging for my daughter. Am I on the right track here?
2: Yeah. I think the key is, and we've talked about this before on this show is the and word and not the or word. Yes. And so not, not necessarily Stifling, stifling that because we don't, you know. The more that I learn, the more that you go back and say, "I wish I would have used different language here yeah, and yeah. there." Right? Um, but introduce her to other things and get her excited about other things. Yeah. Um, there's a whole bunch of research we talked about this last time on. On girls in sports and getting physically active and just getting interest in so many different areas. So I think the and word is important. And little girls, she was absolutely impacted by your pregnancy. Oh, sure. I mean, she saw that. She saw how it worked. Yeah. She's interested, but she'll go through different phases for sure. Yeah, maybe so. it's just
1: a phase. But I had another experience where she was talking about getting engaged, and she said, "Mom, I want to get engaged on a Ferris wheel." And I just said something to the effect of, "Well, honey, what TV if you? Probably. Yeah, I'm no. like, what if you don't get engaged?" And she just started crying, and I was just oh. like, "What?" And I told my movies I, know, movies, I told homework. my husband the story, and he's like, "What are you crushing her dreams?" And I'm just like, "Sorry, I'm just trying to be realistic here, <laughs> trying to like." Give her some other options, but apparently I'm crushing dreams over here. Uh, Emily, your thoughts on this?
3: Yeah, I, you know, I've just been thinking thir- during these discussions, are always so interesting, and Dr. Manson is like a wealth of knowledge about all these intricate little things and studies, and Lindsay, of course, you have like such a, this practical perspective, and sitting here thinking about this, I, I just keep feeling like, when we look at the whole life of a child, whether it's a girl or a boy, you know, there's a lot of time in life. Mm. You know, we're, um, I'm in the motherhood phase, Lindsay, you're in the motherhood phase, you know, where they're living with you. Dr. Madsen is out of that, but obviously still a mother. Mm -hmm. So there are all of these different phases of motherhood. And you look at how you transition, like we're constantly having to redefine ourselves and transition. And I think If we can think about that with our daughters and kind of think, you know, what would have been helpful for me to know, like, it's okay to develop hobbies. It's okay to have a profession. Maybe you'll take a break and have kids. It doesn't detract from that desire. I really don't think it does. I think that there's sometimes some fear around, like... Oh, gosh, if I give my daughter a truck instead of a baby doll, what if she never wants to have kids? Most likely she's going to still want to have yeah. kids, right? She's going to get the message. Just think yeah. that life is longer than just that one, than this event in your life. That you're going to need more resources in your like stock of experience and knowledge to allow for you to live life more fully.
2: I wanted to also pop in because one of my favorite things, and most people have heard the term growth mindset versus fixed mindset but if you have not read the book by Carol Dweck, the actual book, um, it's just called Mindset. It is so powerful and gives you language, mm. gives you language. And, and actually, in in January, February, I taught a class for executive MBAs. Most of them were men. And I gave a little bit of the growth mindset. And then they asked me, like, give us more. Yeah. <laughs> and it was mainly because of raising their, their sons and daughters. Yeah. But the way that we... Um, really help our daughters. I really believe we socialize our daughters more towards the fixed mindset and Mm. our sons more towards the growth mindset. Mm. And that means that you say, we say more to our daughters, you are like pretty, you are smart, you are, it's like a state of being. Mm. And instead of effort, Mm. the effort is the growth mindset. You worked hard, you're becoming, you you, you know, you give them praise. Oh, it it didn't go well. You know, that thing, you didn't win the game or whatever, mm. but you worked hard and you were brave. You know, you, that becoming thing is so important. Mm-hmm. We need to do that more for our daughters.
1: Well, I think that's really important. I'm thinking of a spelling test that my daughter brought home the other day. She got a nine out of 10 and she was just like upset that she wasn't perfect at it. Oh. And it was just one of those opportunities where I'm like, how do I respond to this? How do I respond? You need to
2: read this. You need to read <laughs> oh, yeah. that because it gives you Yeah, it's
1: really important. Dr. Susan Madsen with the Utah Women in Leadership Project, bringing us all the research on what girls and women in Utah uh, need and want and can use. And Emily Bell McCormick with the Policy Project, who works uh, with lawmakers up on Capitol Hill to uh, advance women and uh, family-friendly policies. Ladies, thank you, as always, for joining us this week. Such a great discussion. And we'll be back next week on The Mom Show.